Inside Chicago Government. ShyGov.com. Welcome to another in a series of interviews with Ben Jarofsky. I'm Dave Glowatz. Ben writes on government and politics for the Chicago Reader. He's here with me today. Welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, David. It's been a while. I didn't actually plan to come here today, but my Pokemon Go led me here. <laughs> you must have a lure out or something. Yeah, I haven't been following that. I know that it's something, but I don't know what that something is. If you open it up on your phone and looked into this room through your phone, you'll see there's a character over there. It looks just like John Daly. It's very disconcerting. So it would be in my house? Just ignore it. Okay. Yeah. Well, today we're talking about several recent initiatives announced by the city of Chicago to help building developers get construction going in various parts of the city. First one of these is called the Industrial Corridor Land Use Initiative. And we'll get in the weeds just a little bit here. The city wants to repurpose areas formerly restricted to manufacturing. In other words, so-called planned manufacturing districts in which zoning law prevented the development of residential and commercial units. So it was limited to just non-commercial stuff. And you wrote about this in a reader article on May 11th, 2016, titled Second Ward Gerrymandering Could Help Mayor Rahm Rezone Finkel Steel Site. Ah, yes, I remember that very well. Mm -hmm. And this applies not to just that area over there by Clybourne and Cortland mm -hmm. by the Chicago River, but it seems that city planning efforts are being expended, as I read it, on an expedited basis in specific parts of the city, like that area in the Clybourne Corridor, Little Village, Pilsen. It just seems a little out of balance to me, considering that there are so many other places in the city that are crying for development. But the city is like zooming ahead on these particular spots. Any reaction to that? This is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, Dave. And I have come to the conclusion that if there is a grand design to development in the Mayor Rahm administration, it is to go to the parts of the city that are already well off and encourage more development in those locales, most likely because it's the fastest, quickest, easiest way to develop, also because that's where a lot of money can be made. Why is it fastest and easiest? Well, because there's little, as not as much risk involved. So if you go to a, a relatively upscale area, that's already either developed or near developed area, then there's a pretty good guarantee that the person who sinks his money into that area will get a return. And so uh, banks and lenders will be more willing to lend money for that purpose. And so you'll have a easier access to money for the sake of developing the land. Whereas if you go to an area that's poor and economically uh, devastated, uh, there's a greater risk. There's not as much of a guarantee that you'll make money, so less likely to get the money you need to develop the area. Do you think the city is more motivated by making it easier on developers to invest in those areas? Or is the city just saying, well, we're going to get more bang for our buck generally? if we develop in these areas. You see the distinction there? Yeah. My attitude and the jaded uh, cynic in me. Remember what Lily Tomlin said? Yes. What did she say? The more cynical I become, yeah. the less I can keep up. Yes. 
the more jaded, cynical person in me believes that there is a master plan uh, that may or may not have been written down that goes back to the early 70s, and that is to develop outward from the loop. It's the easiest, most risk-adverse, I guess, area to develop, and we've been watching it steadily. Uh, moving, like a, just imagine a, a circle that goes around the loop, going, you know, Bronzeville, Pilsen, through the West Loop, through the Cabrini Green area. I think the city is just continuing that. That's that's a, an idea that began with Mayor Daly, Papa Daly, continued with Baby Daly, and Mayor Rahm has picked it up, and it's just the easiest way to, you know, have developments, to go areas where the developers want to go. That Clybourne area that where the Finkel Steel site used to be is roughly on your circle there. That is correct. It's absolutely in the circle. And years ago, for many years, it was an industrial base or a manufacturing base. And for a moment in the 80s and early 90s, the city had this notion that it would protect that manufacturing base uh, with special zoning from being overwhelmed by residential, upscale residential development that was coming at it from the east and uh, from the north. And now apparently one of the initiatives that Mayor Rahm has announced uh, in the last couple months is that the city no longer thinks it's a good idea to protect that planned manufacturing district, what they call it, and instead allow it to sort of be transformed, I guess that's the, the word they would use, by a residential development or retail development or some kind of hybrid of cleaner manufacturing development, tech-related development. Business to business is another category of development they talk about. Yeah, so when you look at development and you look at the land fights that ensue, obviously there will be a battle over what to do with property that's inhabited by somebody with running a business. So you can't just take someone's property in this country without reimbursing them. So what I was saying in my article that if the city is really serious about transforming these areas, and they haven't really played their cards yet, they're being cagey as they usually are, then it's going to cost us a lot of money to relocate these companies that are existing now to compensate the landowners for the land that you're seizing effectively. So that's one issue that we're going to have to grapple with. I think we've seen an example of what you're talking about in the Fulton Market District, Mm -hmm. where we had lots of food purveyor companies. You had the meat packers, you had the... um, Fruits and vegetables. So not just meat, yeah. Yeah. So there were like warehouses, storage. There was, I guess, some business-to-business businesses that would supply to restaurants. And many of those have been driven out by the increased residential development. But I'm not aware that any of those people were compensated in any way by the city. I remember writing an article about the Pilsen TIF. Tax increment financing. Yes. I was evaluating how successful that was. And I remember going through some of the um, awards, the money, the handouts, whatever you want to call them. And as I recall, they were moving, in one case, a business from, I think it was the Randolph Street area. By Fulton. Yeah, by Fulton to Pilsen. So you were keeping it in the city, which was good, but you were merely, like as I said, picking up the cost of moving it from point A to point B. Got it. Though that might have been an exceptional case from what I'm guessing about the Fulton District. Well, yeah, I guess the issue is, is the uh, business the property owner or is the business just a tenant and the property owner is somebody uh, who wants 
to max out by selling it for residential development. So I think that would vary whether the compensation that the person gets would vary by that factor. And that's why, going back to the area around Clybourne, uh, many of the businesses that are currently occupied industrial or manufacturing businesses there, in fact, own the property. So you would have to compensate them if you were going to move them forcefully. Unless I think this is partially what happened in the Fulton District, is conditions became untenable for some of these businesses and they just sold. Yeah. Well, there's another initiative that the Emanuel administration has announced. It first came out as a proposal for an ordinance, which was then passed by the city council this year. And it's called the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund which you wrote about in a blog post on May 12th, 2016, titled Mayor Rahm Unveils Plan for, quote, equity and balance, unquote, in development. So in this Neighborhood Opportunity Fund, the city will, as you wrote, quote, slap a fee on downtown developers who get city approval to construct a building that's taller than what the current zoning allows, unquote. So what goes on here is the city would use 80% of the money collected with those fees to issue grants in what they call investment zones that need development, which are, according to the city, quote, areas of greatest need as determined by census data, unquote. And the city created a map of investment zones. Okay. Which I Let's take a look at that map. Happen to have here. It's rather attractive. It's yeah. a blue. So the blue are the investment zones. And notice they're all on the west and south sides. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's kind of north side over there a little bit. How far north is that? I can't see. Looks like to be around North Avenue. Okay. So I don't know how north. You want to get an argument with a longtime Chicagoans, ask them what the borders of the north, south, <laughs> and west true. sides yeah. are. You yeah. know, I, I stay away from those arguments. <laughs> it's like Cubs versus White Sox. Right. Some of the areas that are designated the investment zones are Austin, North Lawndale, Englewood, Garfield Park. There's a whole swath around Lake Calumet down there. The city says it'll work with local non-governmental organizations to determine the local criteria for who should be getting these grants. And the city expects that these fees that are slapped on downtown businesses for building expansion will generate at least $10 million a year, at least to start. And the head of the city's Department of Planning and Development, David Reifman, who the mayor characterized as, quote, a very successful zoning lawyer, unquote, he spoke recently about the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund at a recent City Club meeting in May, which we have audio of, thanks to an anonymous source, and let's listen to what he had to say. The false dichotomy of downtown versus neighborhoods is really that. In reality, the health of our downtown depends on the growth, security, and stability of our neighborhoods, and our neighborhoods cannot thrive unless our downtown is strong and supports them. That's what the city's affordable housing requirements acknowledge and recognize. That's what our proposed downtown bonus approach acknowledges and recognizes, and that's what our approach to the city's industrial landscape will acknowledge and recognize. That's kind of apple pie. Let's let's hear <laughs> let's hear one more thing. Okay. Uh, that was kind of a flag waiver. Yeah. But this is where he goes into a little more detail okay. about the program. The neighborhood opportunity component of the ordinance is a critical way that we can help level the playing field for our underserved neighborhoods. We need to do everything we can to put those neighborhoods on equal footing, and that is the emphasis of this program. This means more jobs, goods and services that will create a foundation for more public and private investment and stability in these at-risk communities. It will be used to support projects like grocery stores, retail stores, sit-down restaurant, cultural venues, all the things that make a community. 
The fund would supplement but not replace our existing resources, such as tax increment financing, and hopefully we will have exponential results. As he said in the first statement, that it's a way, according to Reefman, for downtown to help pay for infrastructure in the neighborhoods, and you're making a face. So tell me what's behind that. (laughs) I've talked about this with you many, many times and written about it many, many times. Our economic development system is largely rigged, thanks to our TIF program, to favor the downtown areas, the areas adjoining downtown, gentrifying areas. It's the scam within the scheme that we've adopted to finance economic development. So this is what the mayor is proposing, as nice as it can be is essentially like a trickle-down theory of where we're going to let a little trickle-down from the economic development stream and let it benefit the areas that are in most need of economic development dollars to begin with. So on the one hand, I'm appreciative for every nickel we have to help develop really poor neighborhoods that need it. On the other hand, it just sort of perpetuates the system as it is by offering the pretense that we're uh, solving a problem, that is the inequitable distribution of funds, when of course we're just perpetuating the problem. When a developer is given a zoning approval to increase the density of property in the loop, let's, let's say. Let's say they add, they want to add five floors to five the, floors. the existing 20-floor tower. Yes, this would be an example of that. Yeah, so there's more, he makes more money or she makes more money from the property. There's more More space. rentable space, yeah. Exactly, more space to rent, more space to sell. So it's money in the pocket of the landlord. So presumably, the landlord will then kick back or the developer will kick back to this fund just a little bit of the profits. It's a way of taxing his profits from uh, the increased value of his property. My guess in some of these cases, if we don't watch really carefully, that contribution to this whatever, the Economic Neighborhood Fund. Neighborhood Opportunity Fund. Yeah, the Neighborhood, oh my God, straight out of Orwell. (laughs) Neighborhood Opportunity Fund, which is really an opportunity for a downtown developer. (laughs) Those proceeds will be largely paid for with TIF dollars. I've seen that happen to a certain degree. I mean- There's nothing in this that prevents that. Yeah, so in other words, you give developer TIF money to develop a piece of property, and then you say, oh, but he is going to kick back a certain amount of money to the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund. So effectively, he's just taking the TIF dollars that you gave him and kicking it over to the Neighborhood Opportunity Development Fund or whatever So the call. city is transferring money from one pocket to the other. Yes, and it's not costing the developer anything. He's merely the conduit through which this money is transferred. Everything in Chicago is a scam, Dave. Everything. Absolutely everything. Wait, it's, what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, you know, the challenge for people like you and me is just like to try to figure out where the scam is and who's benefiting from it. But I think we all realize that transforming poor neighborhoods is very challenging to do, very difficult to do. And as a result, it's not something that's going to be the top of Mayor Rahm's to-do list for development because it's so hard to do. So it's easier to go do something like develop Resgo Field. So what do you think was the motivation for this particular initiative? Did you think that developers came to the administration and said, we just really need to like make some of these buildings bigger? So then the city came up with a way to sugarcoat it by you know awarding neighborhood initiatives or was the mayor looking for some way to look like he's attacking lack of development in poor neighborhoods or something else? My guess is that this was a public relations contrivance created by the mayor's office to shield the fact that with the economy improving, big bucks were going to be made by developers throughout 
the loop and the near west and south sides. Not that there's anything wrong with that. We are a capitalist society, and so God bless every single one of them. But the mayor is also struggling with his reputation of being mayor 1% who doesn't care about poor people, only cares about rich people. That's sort of his legacy from his first four years in office. So um, he has to battle with that. So he is essentially telling the big time developers of Chicago that, all right, we're going to have to go along. We're going to have to come up with some way to cover up what's about to go down and pretend like it's really about helping the entire city. When, of course, there's no real public interest at play here. This is just raw capitalism, so, for better or so, for worse. So papering over a economy-based windfall by having them kick into this fund? Yeah, what is it, $10 million? I can't remember. Yeah, $10 what... million a year. It's not a lot of money. $10 million tops. Yeah, okay. from all of them. Yeah, so one TIF district, downtown Loop, I uh, just was looking at this, this LaSalle Central TIF yields $27 million. That's a year. That's guaranteed money put into a bank account from your property taxes. You and I have contributed to that. Just think about that. The property taxpayers have kicked $27 million just into one TIF district, an extra $27 million. No, $27 million into one TIF district this year alone. And down the road, we're being told that the neighborhoods will maybe get as much as $10 million, the poor neighborhoods. All these neighborhoods. Yeah. Combined, have to split. <laughs> split so one neighborhood in Chicago <laughs> that's like at the, you know, LaSalle Street, okay, yeah, it's going to get $27 million, and the rest of the poor neighborhoods get $10 million. Each so get $100. You tell me how that is a windfall for the neighborhoods. Plus uh, the boundaries of the area that can be designated downtown in terms of zoning and density is increasing under this law. Yes, that is correct. Expanding. The fact that the mayor spent so much time talking about it and so little time talking about the, <laughs> the LaSalle Central TIF, and that's just one TIF, I might add, just goes to show you how he's trying to divert attention from what's going on to this fantasy. Well, let's talk about a third initiative, which is the most recent of the three that we've been talking about. On July 18th, 2016, there was a press release and a press conference that involved County Board President Tony Preckwinkle and Mayor Rahm Emanuel. The press release reads as follows, quote, Mayor Rahm Emanuel and Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle today launched an unprecedented effort to generate new industrial investment in Chicagoland neighborhoods. The industrial growth zones, and that's with initial caps, IGZ doesn't quite roll off. The, anyway, the industrial growth zones program will accelerate neighborhood development in seven designated areas over the next three years by removing longstanding hurdles to development, unquote. And it goes on, quote, landowners will be eligible to receive up to $130,000 in financial assistance for environmental site assessments and remediation, plus free marketing to developers and companies, unquote. And I'll just read one more part of this press release. It says, quote, industrial developers and businesses interested in moving to or expanding in one of the seven industrial growth zones will have access to an industrial concierge who will be the single point of contact to guide them through local and state government issues. They will also receive streamlined development incentives, expedited permitting, licensing and inspections, and assistance with workforce hiring and training, unquote. When I first learned of this, I think your head was about to explode <laughs> when you heard about it. So I wonder what your reaction to this Well, is. no. Okay. Let me just say this. I've not studied this program. I just read the article that was uh, in my beloved Sun-Times, hand-delivered, as always, uh, on the front porch. Uh, <laughs> Mine is hand-thrown. Yeah, hand-thrown. 
So I really don't know what they're up to with this thing, how they're funding it. My initial thought is that there's some kind of gimmick that the city and the county have come up with for whatever reason, as if streamlining the bureaucracy was the reason or would lead to the wholesale development of devastated industrial areas throughout the city. I've been spending a lot of time on the 10th Ward doing just finishing a profile of the Alderman there, Sue Garza. I spent a lot of time driving in and around the old steel mill areas on the south side, which have been abandoned for years. And it wasn't because we needed a concierge that, you know, they were abandoned. Uh, I mean, we could go on and on why they were abandoned. Uh, my neighbor, uh, Sam, uh, the Green Party person would say, if you asked him why they were abandoned, it's because of capitalism, Ben, that's what he would say. But whatever, I don't see this initiative dealing with this just loss and this devastation. Chicago's economy has radically changed, as is America's, as the entire regions. And so those industrial jobs have largely been lost. And so on one hand, we have the mayor, we started off talking about trying to accelerate the trends that would force even more industrial jobs out of the city, or at least out of the north side. Uh, and on the other hand, in the next breath, he's talking about somehow or other finding enough money to encourage other industrial jobs to come here. So it's sort of a contradiction there. The one industry that he cited in that press conference, I noted, and this is the part that had my eyes rolling, was I believe he cited a Whole Foods distribution center. Is that correct? Yeah. That was a distribution center that was moved from a south suburban site. So it's part of the general area. It just happens to be in the other side of the border with Chicago. It was moved into the city by virtue of TIF subsidy. So the money already exists to take care of these industrial needs, to encourage these movements. I would argue that if you're looking at it sort of holistically, I don't know what was really benefited by moving a distribution center from one poor south side community into another poor south side community. Whatever Chicago gains comes at the expense of, I can't remember what town was it. The adjoining community, the adjoining whatever Dalton, it was. Wherever it was. So I don't know why the mayor continually celebrates that bit of piracy as though it's great economic development. Well, we have a blind spot as Chicagoans, just as Americans have about the world. In other words, we lose our attention once we get past the border. Yeah. I remember writing a column several months ago about the state subsidizing, what is it, Conagra, moving it from Omaha to Chicago. To Chicago. I think it's coming to the merchandise market. This is just the uh, headquarters. Headquarters. You know, Rauner and Rom were acting as though this was a great triumph. And I'm like, wow, why is this a triumph that we're subsidizing a corporation at the detriment of Omaha? I have nothing against Omaha to come to like the one corner of Chicago that's really thriving. I don't get how that's... I think the CEO lives in the northern suburbs of Chicago. Yes, I he think does. there's something going on <laughs> Okay, there. but that's not something we should be celebrating. Uh, so what I'm saying is they have, whenever there's an initiative like this, I'm very suspicious. Well, Ben, that's all we have time for. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, sir. Listeners, you know, we always welcome your questions and comments and suggestions for future interviews. Our Facebook page is Inside Gov. That's Inside G-O-V. You can email us at any time via contact at chigov.com. And all of our reporting is archived on your web at shigov.com. I'm Dave Glowetz. Thanks for listening.